Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty, an industry podcast for loyalty marketing professionals. I'm your host, Paula Thomas, and if you work in loyalty marketing, join me every week to learn the latest ideas from loyalty specialists around the world. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Loyalty, featuring another retail success story, this time from a much-loved brand in Europe called Hema. With an incredible heritage of almost 100 years, Hema and its loyalty strategy are a wonderful example to me of some of the key principles that truly drive customer loyalty. Values like simplicity, consistency and fairness. Joining me on today's episode to share her insight on how this retail brand earns loyalty from their customers is Carlene Vanderberg, the loyalty and CRM manager with Hema based in the Netherlands. I hope you enjoy our conversation and Carlene's wonderful insights about loyalty to the brand supported by their loyalty program. So, Carlene, how are you? Welcome to Let's Talk Loyalty. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm delighted to have you. Uh, one of the things that I always aspire to do since I started the show actually is to have more uh, global voices of loyalty. Um, just because we work a lot with the Wise Marketeer, for example, um, and they have that as their tagline. So I know you're joining me today from Amsterdam, aren't you? Yeah, close to Amsterdam, but my office is in Amsterdam, so from the Netherlands indeed. Okay, wonderful. Well, listen, we're going to get into a very exciting story which goes back almost 100 years. So I think that's absolutely extraordinary in retail terms. But before we talk about Hema, the brand that you represent loyalty for, as you know, we always start the show talking about our personal favorite loyalty programs or ones that we admire. So let's kick off and please do tell me, what is your favorite loyalty program? Yeah, the favorite loyalty programs, more as a multiple, actually are the ones from the grocery retail retailers I'm using on a daily basis. Because mm -hmm. I think the best way to say if something is favorite, if you can use it on a longer term, on a daily basis. And the one I really admire is if they are capable of adding digital services like self-scanning or even mobile scanning to mm. the service. Where the loyalty card is the identification to start your digital journey in a physical store. And I think... They do it really well. It's really amazing how it drives people during their journey to uh, top up, to actually redeem on the spot. Mm. Uh, the two examples I really like is uh, Albert Heijn and Jumbo, who are the biggest uh, food retailers in the Netherlands. Okay. And they're making lots of steps. And every, every time I'm visiting the store, they're actually uh, uh, showing new things. And every mm. time I'm surprised with some new uh, delightful additions to their service. Wow. It's very impressive. And I, I have done a little bit of work just, I suppose, researching, particularly in grocery and convenience retail, just, you know, from writing, I guess, and, and researching over the last couple of years. And I have been extremely impressed, I guess, with particularly again there, it seems to be in your part of the world, Caroline, where the understanding of the role of digital in the retail experience seems much clearer or perhaps just more advanced. And I love that because I think, you know, popping into the grocery store, you know, might take five minutes, you know, every day or every second day. 
But if there's a digital relationship then with that brand, the opportunities for engagement are just unbelievably multiplied. Is, is yeah. that true in your experience? It is. And people are really used to it. So they actually also expect a digital experience like that. So the level is high and the others actually need to add to that yeah. uh, because that, that's the benchmark that's currently in the market. So yeah. it's not only a device at the end, but it's actually a device that starts the journey mm. uh, from, from when you enter the store by the identification, getting your handheld of, like I, like I said, the mobile uh, yeah. device. Uh, and then actually I sort of describe it as a digital warm bath because this is where sort of it, everything goes fluent. So your personal promotions are there. You mm. actually are sort of helped through your shopping list. So if yeah. that's all integrated, then you don't even need to think in store. And yeah. that's where you also start selecting a store because at the end of the day, if you're stressed, you don't want to think, then mm. the digital service can kind of reduce that stress. And yeah. then you choose the others because that part is actually more flexible. Yeah. Uh, and I do agree that if you look to, to other pieces, uh, other, uh, other uh, parts of the world, mm. that is mostly really transactional. And it's it sort of, they're, they're doing it to sort of reduce, uh, uh, of course, uh, staff in store. Yeah. So I think the intention is different where I feel that in Holland, they're really trying to make it a service to the client. So it's more consumer focused instead yeah. of reducing people. I think that angle gives a different flavor to, uh, uh, to it. Yeah. And I think Dutch design is helping. So our, our user experience is really on the, yeah, on the high yeah. end. So yeah. they also know how to design it. Beautiful. And that is something that I really believe with the very core of my being is that the intention of any, uh, whether it's a digital program, in fact, or a loyalty program, I really believe that the intention behind it is something that people feel. So, and I know that doesn't make any logical sense or any scientific sense, but I think as human beings, we all do know if this is here to help me, or as you said, just to, you know, reduce the number of cashiers, for example, it's yeah. a very powerful statement. Yeah. And I agree. And, and that's difficult also to tell other people or to sort of say like in your strategy, just, just say, we need to do it with good intentions. And it's something you feel in your stomach. Okay. How do you put yeah. that into a loyalty strategy? Yeah. Uh, so indeed the intention is something that needs to be from within and within the, com uh, within the whole company. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm happy that that's uh, part of HEMA. So I'm kind of spoiled with that, but uh, totally. yeah, that's, I totally agree on that, uh, on that side. Absolutely. Well, I think it's the perfect way to, to, to get into the Hema story. Absolutely. I know you love this brand. You love working there. I know there's a lot of consumer love as well. Some of the, the background statistics I got for people who mightn't be familiar with the brand as I wasn't actually. Um, over 750 stores across 12 countries, predominantly focused in the Benelux region. So headquartered in Amsterdam, but uh, a wonderful success story. So tell us a bit about uh, Hema from your perspective. Yeah, so Hema is a, a pretty old guy because it was uh, uh, founded by two, uh, two guys. Um, and he's 97 years old and hopefully wow. you also turn 100 and more. And that's, that's what we're all aiming for. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's in 
everyone's history. So a lot of people uh, tell stories from from their youth, going with their mom to the store, mm. uh, getting a coffee, uh, grabbing some cookies. The cookies were a famous story. So it's it's part of people's uh, weekend trip or daily trip. Uh, so it's part of our Dutch heritage. Mm. And this is where, uh, when a few years ago, it was kind of, uh, Hema was struggling again. So we had a lot of, um, let's say, issues with private equity and how to move forward and uh, yeah, how to survive in a difficult world uh, with uh, physical retail. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the most special thing about Hema is that a lot of brands uh, disappeared. But in, in Holland, everyone was saying, we need to save HEMA. We don't want HEMA to go away. And there was actually uh, a group of consumers that sort of uh, together set up uh, an, yeah, like a plan to mm. buy HEMA. So they said, if there's no other buyer, then wow. we do it as consumers yeah. together. Uh, and I think that power is, yeah, that I think we are spoiled with that, that people say it should not go away. Yeah. And a lot of other brands that felt a bit similar, uh, yeah, that they didn't survive. Yeah. And I think this showed the potential. And that's also why our new mm. um, owners are also said, yeah, we need to move forward and uh, give it another, uh, yeah, another push. So totally. yeah, it's exciting to step into that uh, experience and uh yeah, yeah. yeah. a hundred and more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be dying to explore the role of loyalty, particularly in that journey, which yeah. I know goes back a few years. But but before we even talk loyalty, Carleen, what would you say is the reason for that depth of love? And I remember, you know, hearing you talking before about what Hema seems to have is what everybody else on my show is aspiring to. So the brand has that emotional loyalty already. So you know, is it the legacy? Do you think it's the fact that it is, you know, there since 1926, nearly 100 years? Is it the core products? Is it the brand? What do you think it is that created that brand love that you're experiencing? Yeah, it's a combination. So I'm not I'm not like a, a, a brand marketeer per se, but what a lot of people say, of course, and what makes it special is that all products are uh, uh, designed by ourselves. So compared yeah. to other uh, department store, I think that makes it special. So design is at the core uh, of our company. So, uh, and also making things for people that love with a lot of uh, yeah quirkiness and also really the Dutch design that's added to it. Yeah. With a lot of brand heroes, um, uh, I sort of talked to you, uh, I shared with you about uh, uh, a few items that we have, like our famous pastry, uh, the tompoes, mm-hmm. with a nice pink layer, which of course <laughs> is really uh, nice to put on a lot of products. Uh, but we also have Taki, a dog, it's part of a famous story in uh, in the Netherlands. Yeah. So we have a lot of things that, yeah, people are are yeah adoring, and I think that that's pieces of the design yeah. that makes people yeah want the products. Yeah, uh, and also when you enter the store, that 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 feeling of that everything fits together. So we we have a lot of trends. So then the same design or the same color. So it's really a relaxed atmosphere if you enter, and then you start like looking at things. Yeah, seasonal uh, products that really make you uh, feel you want it. Yeah, um, yeah. That so it's the product at the core with design. Okay, we're also putting that back into the strategy. So. Uh, our latest TV commercials are really showing how we design products also to make them last longer, of course, in our sustainability story. 
to sure. show that really knowing how people will use products and can make mm. it better, but also mm-hmm. uh, more sustainable. Mm. Uh, yeah, that that combination is uh, is great. And yeah. then indeed the heritage, like you said, knowing yeah. it from from the past. Um, yeah, that, that combination makes it maybe uh, mm. that people are so in love with the brand. And totally. probably a lot of extra things that is really hard to grasp. <laughs> oh, it, it, totally. And I was about to agree with you. Like, I'm not a brand marketeer either. But what I can see, you know, is the aesthetic and the design yeah. and the consistency, actually. So yeah. we'll obviously link to to the, the HEMA website in the show notes. And for anyone just interested in listening, it's H-E-M-A. So I would have pronounced that HEMA until we met. But HEMA <laughs> is the correct pronunciation. Yeah. But there is a beautiful beautiful simplicity actually about the whole brand um and i you know i did actually a previous podcast caroline on the the role of simplicity in driving loyalty so whereas it's probably hard to measure probably hard to prove i fundamentally again as a human being believe that when you make things very simple for people um they just build up that um understanding of what it is you're offering so yes loyalty programs have a role to play and again we'll get into that now but i definitely think both the core values that i saw on your website in terms of the wording so again i suppose back to brand intention, like your website talks about optimism, uniqueness, um, accessibility in terms of pricing. So again, I think that comes through in terms of the design and the aesthetic of everything that Hema is doing. Yeah. Thanks for adding the things that I should have (laughs) expressed first. No, the thing is a lot of things are so, uh, we're so used to it. So I think yeah. Being used to Dutch design and the simplicity, sometimes we're not even aware of it. So if you look at from an outside world, think, wow, this is such a clean world. It's like sort of yeah. apple feel. And I think we're not even, if you're looking at it on a daily basis, you forget about it. That that makes it maybe yeah. a special thing. But indeed, we're not screaming. It's not sort of a promo uh, explosion. Yeah. It's really subtle. Uh, so totally agree. Yeah. And the brand values, the, the, the pragmatism, the optimism. Uh, yeah not taking it serious, also being more on the on the edge of uh, being inclusive, uh, talking about things. So uh, currently we're now uh, launching a bra for if you want to add, um, uh, if you had a bread, uh, breast um, removal, oh, I don't know the yes, exact word. So yeah, exactly. So a, a bra that is fit to that, if you want to add uh, uh, wow. some extra filling to it. So we're really sort of trying to be also with our product development to be on the edge of, Wow. Uh, yeah, an inclusive yeah. brand. So yeah. that's that's one example, but also with pride and all these things were on top of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's a lovely sentiment because again, I'm sure it's it's a small market, but you know, already I know somebody who would need that, unfortunately. Yeah. So it's a it's a sad reality of life that um there are things like this that need dedicated design um, yeah. and thinking and integrity, I guess, you know, to come back to you know what I'm hearing coming through and everything that you're doing. So listen, let's get into the loyalty story. Yeah, yeah now do. that we, we love the brand. Um started, I believe, in 2017. Although I know um, you, you're there, is it about one year that you've been leading the loyalty yeah. side down? Yeah, November last year. Yeah, no, November. Okay, so I mean, I'd love just a sense of you know, with that brand love as context, what was the role of the loyalty program? I guess going back five years, you know, what was the purpose of creating a loyalty program in the first place? Do you think? 
I think the strategy from the start was really clear and I'm happy that's also on the base because then it also makes it more easy to to continue in it. Mm. Really the data capturing and to actually already use it instantly in our communication. So that is at the base. So I think uh, where a lot of people are sort of trying to sort of reach that end state, that that was at the base and the setup of uh, how the program has started. So I think uh, when I stepped in, that base was already there. So the whole loop from capturing and actually using it in communication for our promo activities, mm. um, that's all in place. And I'm happy that I don't need to prove the value on loyalty there. Uh, and of course you can extend it, but that's already a really powerful uh, base to continue with it. So mm. that was five years ago. And in, in basis, the program is still set up the same way also because our technology stack is the same. So you also Great. have some limitations there. Yeah. The basic points-based program, one euro, one point. With vouchers, people can choose their own discount or free products or limited editions that we uh, design ourselves. Mm. Um, and now we're adding a bit more, uh, yeah, let's say, fun elements to it. But the base is already really pleasurable for people and also, uh, uh, yeah, good numbers. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I was spoiled when I entered that that was actually already in place. So um, Wonderful. yeah, happy with that. And what kind of membership numbers do you have in the program now, Caroline? So um, we have a lot of people in our database, but we do say that we have three and a half million uh, people active in the program, mm -hmm. but two and a half million really active people. So some are a bit sleeping. And yeah. especially now with COVID, we need to sort of reshuffle. It's like, okay, but which which are the people that we really sort of see as our active base. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's a lot of people that are quite inactive and they're they're part of our database. So maybe we have a bit of uh, historical information. So we know a bit of their purchase behavior. So that's still used for our communication. Mm. But the base that is active is a bit smaller. And there we really want to increase to make sure that we can on a daily basis also uh, act on the changes that people are uh, showing us. So, uh, yeah, that that's a bit where our base is currently at. Of course, of course, yeah. Um, and and it is. It, it sounds again. I suppose the same core value of simplicity, as you said, one point per per euro of spend. Am yeah. I right in understanding? Then there's no tiers. There's no like gold or silver. Nothing like that. It's purely you know measuring the spend and rewarding them with coupons and vouchers, and then. Yeah. These, these core products, which I'd love to talk a bit about as well. Yeah, it's really simple. And a lot of people are always discussing tiers. I think as, as sort of a, a brand for everyone, uh, I don't think it's a really clear match. Nice. So, um, That's a good insight. Yeah. For me, it doesn't really feel, but we're, of course, on the backend side, we're using the most loyal to reward them more or actually sort of say, we need to, uh, the, the people that are less loyal, we need to activate them. So, yeah. of course, on the back end, you do know the tiers of people and yeah. you're acting on them. Yeah. Um, but we're not exposing it to them because it also shows, I have always have a bit of difficulty with tiers because in the end it shows how much money can you spend. So it says either yeah. you're rich or you're poor. Yeah. I think especially now with, with inflation, I think it's even, uh, yeah, I don't think it's a mm. nice way of expressing, especially if you do it on a points base because then you're just showing, hey, yeah. thanks for spending as much money as you can. Yeah. Um, so I think it's hard to sort of yeah. put it in a different way that it's not showing uh, how rich you are. Yeah. 
It's a good insight. And thank you for that. It's not actually something I've thought about before, but I've been wondering actually for, for quite a while. Uh, I don't know if you would have noticed it, but um, Starbucks in the US discontinued their tiering program, I believe about a year ago. And I hope I'm up to date on that. But I, I did find it very interesting that you know, and I interpreted it, I suppose, Caroline, as a, a move towards simplicity. But just with that point and that insight that you're mentioning about wanting to be, you know, equally appealing to every consumer. And again, particularly, I know your brand is positioned as a mass market brand, as clearly Starbucks is. Maybe that idea that is, I think, relevant in other categories. And I love it in the airline industry, for example, when I when I get to have it. Um, maybe that's just not something that is needed in particularly everyday retail or department store retailers, as I guess you guys are in. Yeah. Yeah. And I always, it's interesting that with every, also in uh, in my career in the past, that it always pops up. People yeah. are sort of, they are so excited about the tears and it's in every concept. And every time it's like, we talked about intentions and then I thought I went to my stomach said it just doesn't feel right. And yeah. it's really difficult to sort of, uh, if people are, are excited about the concept to, to show them. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think this piece of the story uh, is something that's so implicitly not okay. Yeah. Uh, and if you start sort of working around it, then it becomes complicated. So then you lose the simplicity. So that, yeah. that's a funny sort of trick uh, that's there. Yeah. So I think you can use it in, in especially if you have your personalization uh, in place, which is difficult, then it's easier to, to use the mechanics, but without exposing it to, uh, to the consumer. Well, well, also, I think that's brilliant for everyone listening, Caroline, because what it does is explain the value of continuing with this, you know, Pareto principle that we all know 80% of your, you know, revenue is probably coming from 20% of the base. So yeah. it still needs to be identified, isolated. But as you said, you don't necessarily need to expose it. So I think that's a strategy again that I haven't talked about with anybody before. So yeah, given me a lot of of, uh, food for thought I think today yeah and especially it's funny with HEMA everyone thinks that they're the biggest fan of HEMA and that they actually are allowed to tell what HEMA should do so if we start uh, making groups out of it yeah you're less of a HEMA fan people will not <laughs> allow it because they all say and everyone you talk like if I tell people I work at HEMA they say oh I need to tell you this this should be different or this is good Wow. Everyone feels that they have a responsibility in HEMA and that they can also decide on what yeah. HEMA should do. Wow. So um, that's maybe also a bit of a tricky part. Of We're course. like the biggest political party and everyone's, uh, <laughs> everyone has a piece of it. That's hilarious. Wow. Yeah. And again, comes back to the brand love. Exactly. But, yeah. But what I do love that you do on the reward side is you you leverage those um, very fun assets that you briefly mentioned earlier, Caroline. You know, for example, the Tombus, which I had to look up. I hope I've pronounced that properly. But this beautiful, iconic product, um, you know, who doesn't love a layered cake, you know, especially when it's got a lovely pink icing all over the top. So tell us just a bit about those kind of merchandise products and and I think I'm right in understanding that's exclusively as rewards for loyalty program members is that correct yeah so when I entered HEMA I actually felt that that was the, the biggest thing that I sort of saw as a difference to other uh, retailers I work for mm. they always try to say we want a great reward emotional loyalty 
And then I came to HEMA and then they designed a product, uh, a water bottle, a bag. They put our iconic products, which is a sausage or indeed the tompoes, which is the pastry or a taki, which is a famous dog. Yeah. They put it on just a regular product that we normally sell. Yeah. And they're sold out in two weeks. So wow. everyone's running to the store to get it. And there are small things. It's like even like a, a foldable bag. Yeah. And people are, if you look on social media, it's like, I want this. They're sharing it with friends. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just doing the things you do and, and indeed make it exclusive. Yeah. Uh, but the, the exclusivity is not the piece where they're wanting, running to the store. They just really love the product and they're walking outside. So yeah. yeah we also think like, how can we uh, create a product that people are yeah, using in, uh, uh, in the outside world? So they're showing it to other people, which of course is fun. Yeah. And we just recently designed our own bike, which we call the Tompoos bike, wow. which was pink and yellow. <laughs> and we use it for our scan and win. So we try to sort of increase the swipes. Yes. And by the, with every swipe, you had a chance to win uh, the bike. And it yeah. was out of, it was really a big success yeah uh, of course people try to fraud and uh all these of kinds course. of things yeah yeah <laughs> it didn't work but you know that there's things that people try and uh so we're, we're yeah also use it for employees also to uh yeah. to win a bike to sort of increase the scan rate yeah yeah that was amazing and then uh, i think the, the the most fun of it is also that we all the people that didn't win the bike, of course, mm. there's many. Mm. Uh, we gave them a coupon to get their own, their physical tompoos, so the, the the pastry. So they get it as a sort of, I'm sorry you lost. Uh, sorry for your loss, but here you have some sweets from Here's us. Here's a cake. You know what? A consolation prize actually exactly. is so, a lovely idea. Yeah. So not a bike, but a real tompoos. <laughs> I think that like, if we just put those colors and we call it a tompoos bike, yeah. or whatever we put it on yeah uh, yeah it works incredible yeah and of course amsterdam is 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 world famous i think in terms of the um the number of people who do cycle i think pretty much everywhere yeah it's 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 the default mode of transport almost in the city isn't it yeah so that's why it's a good uh it's a good price because it's also being yeah. robbed or whatever so you do need to uh okay. sometimes replace it or they're standing outside so um yeah, so uh, the limited edition is a really yeah, easy way to activate users to also make sure that there is a high redemption rate. Yeah. So now we increased it last year. Normally it was uh, uh, like four times a year we had a limited edition. Now we have one new one every month. Wow. So we really use it as an asset. It's a lot of work. So my team is actually yeah. also doing product development, which of course normally a loyalty manager would not do product uh, development. So of course. that makes that makes my team real unicorns, I think. Uh, sure. So uh, that that's added to it, and it also makes it a lot of fun uh, yeah. to to run the program. And I think that's also important that you yeah. the excitement of uh, putting things out there. And if you're just using it with an external partner, so you're doing like uh, tickets. Yeah. It's just. It, they also call it emotional loyalty, but mm. there's no engagement to it. It's not fit to the brand, yeah. but also to, to put it in your programs, like, okay, let's see how it works. But here there's yeah. all the effort before is already yeah, uh, helping uh, with the success. Totally. And I'm curious about how limited your limited editions are, because 
there must be a temptation or maybe it's just me now. I would be greedy. I would probably be tempted at one point to maybe totally saturate the market. So instead of it selling out in two weeks that, you know, literally the whole city suddenly gets the shopping bag or the, as you said, something very visible. And so do you ever get tempted to um, increase the the production? Yeah, we don't know yet because it's, it's, uh, it also is high cost because it's part of the, the marketing budget for the loyalty program. So sometimes it's a bit difficult and especially because we're increasing the the with every month now yeah. we're just looking at it like how fast does it go if we if we change it every month we don't want to have the risk that we're flooding the stores yeah um, and we have a bit of issue that we need to put it uh, behind the cash desk currently because we cannot okay. sell it as a normal product so that's why we don't want to flood the, okay. the cashier space with all those products but that's a bit of an operational challenge we have yeah um i think the bike in attention sort of had the sort of the big big effect that everyone talked about it yeah. so then everyone said hmm maybe we should start selling the bike but then it's like yeah but we're not into bikes so maybe the whole after sales is something we need to consider <laughs> that's very um, true yeah yeah so yes and no i think it's fun to also change it and also we sell those same products in store some sometimes so this is okay. part of the part of the program but sometimes we also have limited editions just on sale mm. so we also don't want to cannibalize on that regular sales so okay. that's a bit of a combination got it um and sometimes you just don't know so there's an upcoming candle that uh, smells like uh, stroopwafels which is also an icon product okay uh, that's also like a cookie but it's okay. really sweet okay that's stroopwafel yeah again okay. <laughs> I, d- I didn't understand thank you for explaining yeah, so that's that candle. Yeah, let's see how it goes. Sometimes yeah. it's also hard to um, yeah to estimate before. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, just as a funny aside, I recently got married, um, and we we were doing little wedding favors. You know, like these small gifts that that mm-hmm. you give to our wedding guests. And my husband is Swiss, so that was easy. We got Swiss chocolates, and then I was really struggling um, to to do something, you know, properly Irish. Um, so I ended up actually also with a candle, but it was designed. It was a Guinness candle, but it wasn't thankfully smelling of Guinness because that would just not be nice. <laughs> it was smelling of vanilla, so that was my my decision in the end. Actually, it was quite fun. So I do think that's something that actually is pretty universal. So again, this exactly the same so indeed a candle put your brand on how should it smell in exactly. this case yeah we had a good smell <laughs> totally totally great the other uh, topic i suppose i just wanted to ask you about carlene was you mentioned briefly swipe rates and again i suppose as you know i've done a bit of work in convenience retail and um, less so in other sectors but I'm always curious to know, you know, without giving too much away, because I know you won't be able to share your own actual statistics, but, you know, in the retail sector, what do you think, you know, listeners should be thinking about in terms of their KPIs, like what percentage of their customers should be swiping a card, given the reliance on staff and everything else that's involved with that, with achieving that? Yeah, well, I think... First of all, it's difficult to say of the percentage of consumers because you don't know if they're unidentified. You don't know how many sometimes there are. And of course, you have other measures. So yeah. we measure uh, uh, how much transactions is being identified. So yeah, sometimes that can be uh, yeah. less people. Um, I did see a lot of numbers in in, in a grocery retailer. Of course, it's going into uh, 90%. 
Yeah. But that's only possible with, uh, I sometimes call it blackmailing, so two-tier pricing. Uh, so yeah. we don't have a blackmail principle. Promotions okay. are not card-based. Some yeah. are. Yeah. Um, and we do say the scan rate increasing with 10% if we add uh, member promos on our card. Uh, currently, this week, we have a 10% extra with the card on all promos. Okay. And we do see a big increase. So without saying yeah. how big our numbers are, I do think that you see that uh, getting people into the habit of using a card, yeah. you often need uh, just uh, regular promos. And we also see in our base, we kind of gave them uh, uh, names. We saw people that are more, let's say, on the lazy side. They just mm -hmm. want to swipe a card and get instant reward. They don't want to use coupons. It's just a lot of work. You need to get your balance, get your vouchers. Yeah. So there are two types of people that, that are in our program. And if you don't have the member promos, you're kind of losing the people that don't get that instant benefit. Mm. Um, so I think that's that's an important part to increase scan rates. And you can do a lot with your with your member with your staff members. Mm -hmm. But if there's no instant benefit, a lot of people say, well, never mind. I don't do anything with those points. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, that's difficult to turn around. Mm. Um, so we're not as close to food retail, but I've also heard numbers in food retail that are close to our numbers. So I think we're doing quite okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but not as okay as 90%. No, no, I think uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And I suppose we all have the ultimate goal, you know, maybe we get to 100% yeah. someday. But anyway, not there yet. And um, yes, as you said, there's there has to be a reason, I think, without blackmail, um, ideally for uh, for a member to to make sure to swipe. And again, I'm sure even for the, the point of sale, for the people who are manning the tills, I guess sometimes they're under more pressure if they've got queues and that kind of stuff as well that they've got to manage. So they might yeah. not be as focused on on making sure to swipe every um transaction as you said um if there is pressure in the store at a particular time so yeah so one to watch and one we will stay connected and closely um you know hoping to understand as as Hema continues to grow um so i think that's all the questions i have from my side carlene is there anything else that you think is um really fun to talk about or you know anything else that our listeners should know about Hema before we wrap up no, I don't think so. I think we talked about a lot. Yeah, I can talk for ages, but I think I think the story is fun. So I wanted to share the, the fun of Hema. So I think that, uh, yeah, is expressed now. Yeah. It totally is. It totally is. And hopefully if people do want to connect with you, for example, on LinkedIn, are you happy for us to make sure to connect of you? Of course. Yes. Yeah. Also, you, you asked me, it's like, how do you get updated? And I think it's more on a personal level than a lot of stories. It's just... The yeah. stories from other people, yeah. the struggles they have, that's uh, yeah, the best way to, uh, to keep updated in, uh, in the loyalty space. For sure. Yes. Well, it's the reason we do this show, as you know, Carlene. And it's also the reason that I think, thankfully, some of the loyalty conferences are coming back around the world. So we can all start to uh, spend more time together. And hopefully you and I will get to, uh, to connect at some point at yeah, some events. So wonderful. Okay. Well, listen, with that said, I really enjoyed learning all about HEMA. It's a very impressive brand, a very impressive story. And as I said, it's definitely some new food for thought. So with that, Caroline Vandenberg, Loyalty and CRM Manager at HEMA. Thank you so much from Let's Talk Loyalty. This show is brought to you by the Australian Loyalty Association. 
the leading organization for loyalty professionals in Asia Pacific. Visit their news and content hub for the latest loyalty insights from around the world. Or why not submit your own article for publication? For more information on their loyalty services and networking opportunities, visit AustralianLoyaltyAssociation.com. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Loyalty. If you'd like us to send you the latest shows each week, simply sign up for the Let's Talk Loyalty newsletter on letstalkloyalty.com and we'll send our best episodes straight to your inbox. And don't forget that you can follow Let's Talk Loyalty on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, we'd love for you to share your feedback and reviews. Thanks again for supporting the show.